If you want warmth, you must stand near the fire. If you want strength, you must withstand the weight. Like raw metal, through force and flame, we are tested. As the hammer falls, we are shaped, bent, made into something new. From scrap to substance, from crude to crafted, with every strike, formed and made with purpose. If you want faith, you must be forged, refined by fire. Oh, eight o'clock was more jacked than y'all to be here. That's, uh, that's got to be a new thing there. How are y'all this morning? Thank you. Thank you very much. I need that personally. Um, hey, my name is T. Lusk. I'm the college and young adults pastor uh, here at Rolling Hills. Um, I, I'm not as good looking as the other bald guy that was here a minute ago, but, uh, so I apologize for that. And, and honestly, I'm sorry that you have to see my head that big on that screen. Uh, nobody should be subject to that. Um, also, I, I want to I thank you guys. Uh, I, we are brand new here. I, I know maybe some of you I've met, and some of you, this is the first time that, that I've been able to interact with you, and it's from a distance. Uh, thank you for welcoming our family uh, to Rolling Hills. We've been here for right at, my family's been here for about a month. I've been here for right at two months, just kind of getting things going. And, uh, and we've just been overwhelmed by your hospitality and your graciousness just to, just to make us part of family. And, and so there's a big thanks for that. Uh, this morning, Pastor Jeff, as Kinley said, is, is in Moldova serving there and a part of that graduation, what great ministry we've been able to do in Moldova over the past number of years. And so we celebrate those teams that are there, the ones that's come back. And uh, this morning, we're going to continue working through the book of Genesis and the story of Joseph in this series called Forged. Uh, serving with college and young adults, I, I, I've met many of you, and, and, and there just seems to be a, a, a an an understanding of just how important it is to have a ministry that, that directs its focus on those two demographics. And I'm so thankful for that in Rolling Hills and knowing where we've come from as starting in a, in a movie theater to where we are today and, and wanting to continue to reach young adults and college students in Nashville and Franklin. So I'm incredibly thankful for the passion and the, and the desire to reach that. And as we've gotten through or we look at the story of Joseph what I've seen, what you look at is, is a man that's walking through young adult life, starting at about 17 to, to today as we turn the pages to, to chapter 41, they estimate he's around 30 years old. And it's an incredible part of, of time where our lives are forged, our character, who we are and who we're going to be is forged in these days, in that, in that demographic of, or that period of time. Many of y'all understand that because you've experienced it. Some of you are in it and you don't understand what I'm talking about, but you will. And as we start that, you'll hear more about more things that are, that are going to happen with college and young adults. But this morning, I want to take just a moment and, and use this as a commercial because as, we, as we're rolling things out, one of the first things that we're going to do kind of public is next Sunday at 8 at July the 8th at 6 to 8.30, we're going to have a, a party for anyone that's in that group of people. If you're a college young adult, that 18 to 30 age, 
and you just want to figure out what next step is, where you have a place in Rolling Hills, uh, pay attention to our uh, social medias on, uh, and the website and all those things that you'll see. That's going to happen next Sunday uh, in the evening at, um, at a family's house, and so we want you to be a part of that. And, and if you have kids that are in that area, we want to make sure that they are invited to that as well. We believe God's going to do something incredible as we begin having a new focus on that at Rolling Hills, on those college and young adults. But as we turn back to, to Joseph this morning, and like I said, we've, this story seems to fit inside of that time period or, or that demographic for Joseph as a young adult. And maybe as we, as, as we turn to this passage, we find Joseph in a place that, that some of us find ourselves in this morning or have found ourselves in in the past where we're alone and far away from home, far away from the dreams of what we thought life might be like. How many of y'all are in that spot or you've been there before where you, where you, can, you can resonate with Joseph and confused and waiting, sometimes maybe not patiently. But in this passage, as we turn to chapter 41, things are about to change for Joseph. We've walked through the story, and so you know that, that the story of Joseph starts with him being the favorite child of Jacob, his father, his 12 sons. And it's not just sibling rivalry that makes him a favorite, right? Dad has given him a coat that is like a billboard that says, I'm daddy's favorite. And his brothers aren't very happy with him. And not to add on to that, Joseph has these dreams. And those dreams talk about his brothers and his mom and dad bowing down to him. And so everybody's, not, everybody's really upset with Joseph. And the brothers have even gone as far as to wanting to kill him. And right before they do that, we saw this a couple of weeks ago. Rather than killing him, they sell him to a group of Ishmaelite traders. And they run home to their dad and say, Joseph, your favorite child, was, was, mar was, was, was killed by a wild animal. Jacob is distraught. They lie to their dad, and they think that the dreamer's gone. But God is still with Joseph. He's sold to Potiphar in Egypt, and Potiphar recognizes some skills, so he raises him up and puts him in charge of the house. Not only does Potiphar recognize some skills, Potiphar's wife recognizes some good looks, you know. She does the wink, wink, shake, shake. That's what Jeff said last, a couple weeks ago. This is when it got a little spicy in the story. She lies about him when he turns, when he turns down her advances, and Potiphar throws him in prison. And in prison, we saw last week, Joseph meets two men. They have some dreams, and he interprets those dreams correctly. One, is, one loses his life, and the other one is restored to his, to his rightful place or his job in the, in the court of Pharaoh. And on his way out, Joseph looks at the cupbearer, and he says, remember me when you get back to your job. At the end of that chapter, chapter 40, it says that that, that cupbearer forgot about him. But things are about to change for Joseph. And if you feel like you've been in that same kind of spiral downward, listen, God's word is true for us just like it was true for Joseph, and things can change. So before we jump into the passage, I invite you to pray with me. Jesus, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy to leave heaven, to come and to live a perfect life and die on the cross for us that we might have new life. You were taken from the cross and put in the grave, and then, then on the third day you rose from the grave to give us a new life and a new relationship with you. 
And Father, because of the cross of Christ, because of, because of the grave being empty, we have hope that no matter what the darkness, no matter how lonely or far away from the dreams that we might have, we have hope that things can change by your grace. So Father, I pray that that would be the case this morning. You would remind us of that and our hearts would be stirred and encouraged. And we would leave here this morning with confidence and courage and clarity. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you've got your uh, card here, the first thing that, that it says is kind of the main point for, our, for, our, our ser- for this part of the series. It says, God blesses faithfulness in his timing. Our response is to stay ready. God blesses faithfulness in his timing. Our response is to stay ready. So what does staying ready look like? For Joseph, he was ready. If you go to to the first verse of chapter 41 here, as, as we've turned to that, it says this, then when two full years had passed, pause. I don't know if you're like me, but patience is not that virtue that comes out very often. Like, for instance, when I text message someone and they begin typing back and I can see the three little dots on there, like two minutes feels like an eternity. Like, what are you typing? Just give me the thumbs up and let's go. Can you imagine what Joseph is feeling like? Hey, remember me when you get. He sends the text. Hey, dude, don't forget. I interpreted that dream great for you. You ended up where you were supposed to be. And two years has passed in this dark, lonely dungeon, far away from the dream that he had of this idea of what God might do. I can imagine that Joseph, just like you and I, after two years of, uh, has passed, is, is fighting the temptation to quit. And for us, staying ready means that we have to fight this temptation to throw our hands up and give up. Maybe you've been in that waiting time, that waiting room where, where you're waiting on, a, on a, call, a phone call about a job interview that you've had. A child that is wayward and you're waiting, that, that pleading with God to bring them back. Maybe you have a health issue that, that has debilitated you to a point where, where you, you just can't function the way you used to and you're just waiting, believing God may restore your health one day. Whatever the circumstances are, when, the, when we're in the midst of waiting, we have to fight the temptation to give up. I can imagine, again, that it would be easy for him to just throw his hands and say, God, what about these dreams that you've given me? I'm done. I'm just going to stay in this prison When it comes down to it, though, for us and and for Joseph, believing in God or waiting and being patient and fighting that temptation to give up and quit comes down to us believing God's word. Does Joseph believe the dream that God has put in his heart or does he not? For us, do, do we believe the words of God, that he has a plan for us, as it says in Jeremiah, plan to prosper, to bring us hope and a future Is that just a bumper sticker or a a cute saying on a coffee mug, or do we believe it? Do we believe that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, neither height nor depth nor anything in all creation? That when Jesus left, he said that he will be with us 
for always? Do we believe God's word? And, and the fighting the temptation comes down to believing God's word even in the silence, even when everything goes silent. And we shouldn't mistake God's silence with God's absence. When we're fighting that temptation to quit, we should not fight, we should not equate God's silence with God's absence. Forging our character, forging our, our, our new life in Christ, forging our, uh, who we are, often happens in the silence. When we have to lean in a little bit closer when we have to trust God beyond all of the obvious signs as we, as we walk through life. God, I don't hear you. I haven't heard from you. We shouldn't equate his silence with his, with his absence. It's one of my favorite aspects of this passage and the story of Joseph because I'm sure you have experienced it like me where you just wish God would show up and tell you what to do. And think about this for Joseph. He's the great-grandson of Abraham who God spoke to directly. If he spent any time with his father, it's obvious because he's continued to walk in faithfulness even when he's in Egypt, he would have known the stories of God spending time with Adam and Eve in the garden. He would have talked about Noah and God interacting with Noah, the, the voice of God. But for Joseph, in 13 chapters of Genesis, not once does it tell us that Joseph heard from God. I think I can, I, can, I can understand a little bit of that. I just wish God would show up. But it's in those moments, in that silence, that God is forging us. And even though we can't see it, that God has a purpose for where we are and a plan for how he's going to use us there. And he's providing a way for us even when we can't see it. He has a purpose for where we are, a plan for how he's going to use us there, and he's providing a way even when we can't see it. Church, take heart that God is active and near even when you can't hear him. Just like Jeff talked about it just a second ago, even though he couldn't see his father, he didn't know his dad was there, he was silently sitting outside the door of his room, being there as a protector in the darkness. God is there even in the silence. And in that midst of that darkness, things are about to change for Joseph, and God's call on him was to stay ready, and staying ready means that we have to have courage to point others to Christ. That when we're ready, when God does change things in his, in his timing, do we have the courage to point others to him? If you look back to verse one, verse one, the second part of that, it says that Pharaoh had a dream he was standing by the Nile, and out of the Nile, out of the river came seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds, verse 3, and after them seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. The cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the sleek and fat cows, and Pharaoh woke up. And then verse 5 says he falls asleep again, and he has another dream like it, but this time it's with wheat, where seven grains of wheat come up, and they're healthy, and then seven grains that are not healthy, and they swallow them up. And if you go down to verse 8, it says this, In the morning his mind was troubled, and he sent to all the magicians and the wise men of Egypt, and Pharaoh told them the dream, but no one could interpret it for him. 
Here's something for us to remember that I'm sure each of us have experienced, right? When our hearts are troubled, when we experience trouble in our hearts and our minds, that we search for answers and meaning. I know that's groundbreaking for you, right? But that when, when we go through these moments where, where something has shaken us, our faith, it shakes who we are or how we function and see the world, we begin to look for answers and meanings. And, and what happens here is that Pharaoh knows this dream means something, so he begins to search out that meaning so he can bring some calm to his troubled heart. So he brings all the smartest people in the, in the whole kingdom of Egypt to ask the question, what does this mean? But they can't bring the answer to him. Same thing happens for us. In those moments when we're shaken, right, it's, it's obvious that what happens, what God is doing here is part of his plan for the inability of these wise men to unravel this mystery of Pharaoh's dream. How many times we, like Pharaoh, run to all of the experts rather than running to Christ? How many times is our, is our faith shaken, our, our world is rattled, and what we do is rather than running to Jesus, running to God and his word, we run to other things. It's not new in scripture, it happens to us today. It's the reason why the self-help section of Barnes & Noble is full of books, and as one is, comes off, there's a new one published to fill its space. Because we're looking for answers, each and every one of us. It's the reason why Oprah and, and Dr. Phil were so successful in their day, because we're looking for answers. But I'm telling you that after all of the cars that she gave away and whatever else she did, those hearts were still troubled. Because the only answer that is going to satisfy the hearts as we search for them comes from the one, the God of the creation. And when our hearts are troubled, we do the same thing. We pull in these people. We exhaust all of our resources. But there's a huge lesson of grace in this passage for us that when we exhaust every option, God still desires to be with us. Pharaoh wasn't even looking for God, and God shows up. Church, it's overwhelming to think then in all of our searching, in all of our plundering every option to find hope and joy that satisfies our heart, and we always run empty, that God, our Father, stands with his arms open to receive us and to give us the hope and the peace and the joy that we're searching for that we'll never find in anything else. And it's what we see not only in this passage, but throughout Scripture it's pictured as Jesus talks about the prodigal son, as the, as the Israelites run away from God and he draws them back in and run away from God and he draws them back in. Over and over we see this picture of God's grace that even when we're not searching for him, he's ready for us to run to him. Before we move on, I want to look back at Joseph and what he does when he stands before Pharaoh. So Pharaoh sends for Joseph as he hears that there's this man, the cupbearer tells him the story. He sends for Joseph, and Joseph comes quickly. He's brought out of the dungeon. They shave him up. In verse 15, it says that Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I've heard it said that you, when you hear a dream, can interpret it. Joseph responds in verse 16, I cannot do it. 
but God will give you the answer he desires. Joseph stands before Pharaoh, and he doesn't take the credit. He points to God as his source. I mean, if you're just reading the story, maybe this is the first time that you've read the story, you you would be astounded that he would say, I can't do it. This is really the only reason you're in this room, dude. The only reason they pulled you out of that dungeon is because you could do it. And before the most powerful man on the face of the earth, this scraggly little Hebrew slave turned prisoner says, it's not me. I don't have it. But the God that I worship does. Who you really need, Pharaoh, is not me. Who you need is the God that I worship. It takes an immense amount of courage for Joseph to point to God as the sovereign one over even the dreams of Pharaoh, the God of Egypt. It's a real temptation for Joseph. I can imagine as a 30-year-old man who's been in prison and been a slave for many years to look and say, this is my chance. Nobody in all of the kingdom of all of Egypt can interpret this dream. I'm the only one. This is my chance to make a name for myself, to get out of the dungeon, to be the guy. And yet he says, it's not me. It's God. This is important for us, church, because we are all glory hounds. We're all seeking that advancement, that moment where people look at us. It's a struggle for me this morning as much as it is for any of us every day of our lives. Where I want to be, I want, we want people to look at us. We want to be the one who came up with the idea that landed the big, the big deal. We want to be the creative one who wrote the right, right words for the song that gets produced. We want to be the one who's recognized in whatever aspect of life. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be the best at something that we do or striving to do it with excellence, but there's a difference between taking the glory for ourselves and giving it to the one who's the source for all of our strength and life and breath. And Joseph has the courage to point to God rather than himself. And when we have the courage to remain faithful and give God the glory, others experience God's faithfulness and blessings. Isn't that what happens as we fast forward the story? Joseph tells him the dreams and he interprets the, he interprets the dreams and gives him the plan for what God's going to do. And then in the midst of that, he adopts this plan that he put in, he's put in place to carry it out. And not only is Joseph blessed, but Pharaoh's blessed as the king of Egypt. And all of Egypt is blessed because they now have food in this famine. And the nations that surround him are blessed. When we're faithful to give God the credit rather than taking it our own, it's not just us that are blessed. Those that are around us are blessed by God's faithfulness. Third thing is that when we see or when we remain ready, trusting that God will bless faithfulness in his timing, we can bring clarity in the midst of chaos. Joseph is brought out of a dungeon and stands before one of the most powerful men on the face of the earth at the time. And he's ready to speak. He was ready, excuse me, Joseph was ready and he was able to speak peace into into Pharaoh's troubled soul. Many of us are familiar with this, even if you've just heard it over the past couple of weeks, you know this story of Pharaoh and you may know the ending, so so maybe maybe your familiarity is kind of taking away the, the gravity of what's happening in this moment. 
Joseph, just moments before he stands before Pharaoh, interprets Pharaoh's dream, is a slave in prison. He's come from another country. He's not even a part of Egypt. And so let's just, let's just take this to modern day. Let's just say that in modern day, our president calls an immigrant prisoner to serve as chief of staff. Now, politically, I don't care where you're at. CNN, Fox News would be all over this. Can you imagine? I mean, the headlines, your phone would blow up. It might fry. Pharaoh has brought in an immigrant slave prisoner to tell him what his dream was. Is it amusing to anyone else that Pharaoh considers himself the God of Egypt, but rather than, he's he's stumped by his own dream about the future of his country, and none of the people around him can tell him, but now he's brought in this little kid or this 30-year-old slave to let him know? God is doing something incredible in the midst of this that we we could not see it's just this picture of, of him, let Jesus, or God is giving us this picture of the weaknesses of the gods of our age. Pharaoh and all of his glory and majesty and all of his power and might did not have the ability to tell even what his own mind in his own dream was, was trying to communicate to him. He stumped, and the God of creation sends a, a little boy or a young man to stand before him and in, interpret that dream. Joseph gets to speak because he's ready. He gets to speak of this peace into his his heart because his heart has been forged by God's faithfulness. He knows God is the only source. And when he's ready, and when God, excuse me, and when we are ready, God can use us to speak peace and clarity. Many of us have individuals, friends, or or family members. Maybe it's our own, uh, maybe it's someone very close to us, our kids, who are in the midst of chaos. They don't know what's going on, and we have the opportunity to step in with the good news of Jesus Christ and speak peace into that, into that chaos. Joseph would stand before Pharaoh, and he would tell him of a bleak future for his country if they didn't, didn't do some, a couple of things, a plan of how they would carry that out, and that plan rescued a nation. Jesus would come later. He would come not to condemn the world, as it says in John 3, 17, but because the world was already condemned. He would come and say this, that without him, without him coming, there was no chance for relationship. But in his coming, he speaks a better word that wouldn't just save a nation, it would save all who would come to him in faith. We carry that news to those who are in chaos. We can stand next to our friends and our family and tell them of the good news of Jesus Christ who is the Word made flesh. He is our peace and our comfort and our joy and our hope. We can speak peace into chaos. Number four, it says standing ready means that we remain connected to Christ. Connected may seem like a weird word, and I'm just going to be honest. Uh, my Baptist roots run real deep, and so I was going for the four C's. I like alliterations. But let me explain to you what I mean by, by, by connected here. 
One of my favorite passages of scripture is when Jesus says in John chapter 15 to his disciples these words. It says, remain in me and I, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. See, Jesus tells the disciples on the, on the eve of his crucifixion, abide in me, rest in me, let your confidence, let your faith land firmly in me, stay connected to me, because apart from me, when you trust in anything else, you can produce no fruit. You can do nothing, meaning there's nothing of eternal value that happens. Parents, nothing of eternal value happens for you as a parent to your kids if you're not connected to the vine. There's nothing of eternal value that happens for you at your workplace if you're not connected to the vine. Sure, you can land the big deal, but what is that going to end? You can't take that with you. Joseph is given this opportunity because he remains faithful and connected to God. There's no chance that Joseph is in this place if he doesn't remain faithful in the dark and the mundane and the lost moments in prison and as a slave. He remains connected to God. For us, the question of how do we remain connected to God, I mean, it stirs in me this, this uh, how do I do what Joseph did? And anytime I ask that question, I, I always want to be careful to, to point to Christ. The centrality of the gospel in all of these things is clear that without Christ, his work on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, there is no connecting to, to God. He has given us an avenue to have relationship with him. We cannot do anything good enough for him to, to, to see us and, and to give us his pleasure. It's all because of Christ. How do we stay connected? We fall firmly on the grace of Christ. Second, I want to always point to the, to the Bible. How do we stay connected? It's by reading God's word if you think that, our, that, that the, pastor, the pastors and the teaching pastors at Rolling Hills are, are like a broken record, then praise the Lord if you hear us say over and over and over and over again, read your Bible. If you, don't, if you think that you can stay connected to Christ without spending time in his word, you are losing your mind. He's given it to us so that we can walk with him and know him and know his character but I think in this passage, what's clear is that not, because Joseph didn't have a copy of Scripture. What's clear for Joseph and what's, what starts and sustains Joseph's faithfulness and his connecting to God is Joseph's worship of God. I believe that what, what, what starts and sustains Joseph and remaining connected is Joseph's worship. What that, by that, what I mean is that Joseph put God in his rightful place. It wasn't Joseph on the throne of his life. It wasn't Pharaoh who was king of his life. It wasn't the cupbearer that he trusted in. It wasn't Potiphar that he trusted in. It wasn't his brothers or his dad that he trusted in. God was on the throne of his life. And because God was in his rightful place, when, when Potiphar's wife's advances came upon him, he could say no. Because he worshiped God more than he worshiped pleasure. 
When, when the moment in the spotlight came upon him, he could say, it's not my spotlight, it's him in the spotlight, because God was greater than the spotlight. He believed that there was no other God apart from him, as Isaiah said it. He believed what Moses would say to the Israelites, to put no other God before me, to love the Lord with all of your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. That's the first and greatest commandment, as Jesus would testify in the, in the New Testament later. He worshiped God, and his wisdom came from his worship. What does it say in Proverbs chapter 5? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He said to Potiphar's wife, how can I sin against God and do this wicked, evil thing? He feared the Lord above all. God is who his heart was set on. And so the question for us as we kind of move forward is, what, what is our next step? How do we respond to God's word this morning? And there's a couple of things I want to kind of line out just real quickly for us before we, we close and sing just one song of response. It's this. That first, I always want to say that, that our response is to say, as David said in the Psalms, search me and know me. Know my inward thoughts, my anxious ways. God, search my heart for things that I don't even know are there that are, that are walking in contrast to, to your word and your way. And secondly, I think for, for all of us, maybe, maybe we need to hear this morning that in the dark and the lonely places and that, that long time where we felt forgotten and far away from, from the dreams that God's given us and the, and the promises that we feel like God's going to carry out, that God is near. His silence doesn't equate to absence, and he is, he is able to change. And even if it's not on this side of heaven, there is a day when all of your struggles and all of your toil and trials and, and tears will go away because Jesus will change all those things and make them new. Maybe you need to hear God's gracious call this morning that after you've exhausted every other option, he stands ready to receive you with grace ready and willing to say that his gospel overcomes no matter what fought failures you've walked through. Your faithlessness does not make him faithless. Maybe you need to take a moment to step up and serve. What we've seen in Joseph's life is these moments where he served regardless of his circumstances and because of his service there, he gets to stand in front of Pharaoh. Maybe you need to stop waiting for the spotlight to be on you. Maybe you just need to step in and serve somewhere. Even though you don't feel like it, even though it doesn't feel like it's really awesome to serve prisoners in a prison because you're one of them, had Joseph not, he would not have stood before Pharaoh. I watched this week as m so many adults and students served these kids. It was incredible to see them pour life into them. And I promise that many of them, if not all of them, were walking through moments where they thought, this is not how life is supposed to be. Just imagine had they not stood up and poured into the life of that child that, this week. We don't know the outcome of what will happen in that second grade classroom from VBS this week. But what if 
God did something so amazing because somebody was faithful to stand up even when they didn't feel like it. And then because of it, many would hear the gospel, maybe in places that have not heard it today. What if one of those second graders' life was so changed this week that one day they walk into the places in, in the Amazon that we go and serve pastors and they give their life for the gospel of Jesus Christ because faithful men and women stood even when they didn't feel like standing and served. Where you are, what God is gonna do in your life is never contingent on where you are. Your response, my response, is to remain faithful, to trust him beyond what we can see, and to stay ready. We're gonna sing this song, and, and, or, or maybe it just is a prayer that you'll have prayed over you and sung over you, but, but it just basically declares this, that God, you are not done with me yet. The tide may not have turned for, for many of us, and we don't feel like Joseph feels on the other side of this conversation with Pharaoh. Maybe we feel, still feel like we're in the dungeon, in the darkness, in the loneliness, but God is not done with you yet. So I want to invite you to sing it if you do know the words. If you don't know the words, let it be sung over you. Let this be our prayer today that we confess and we, and we, and we trust that, God, you're not done with me yet. Let's sing together.
trust you I won't forget the things you've done for I know that this is just the beginning and you're not finished yet you're not finished yet and until I see with all I am I'll keep believing that you're not finished yet you're not finished yet until the dry bones wake until the mountains shake until the darkness breaks I will praise you Until the dry bones wake, until the mountains shake, until the darkness breaks, I will praise you, I will praise you, I won't forget the things you've done, God with all I am, I'll keep believing that you're not finished yet. You're not finished yet. You're